This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So I want to welcome everyone to New Church Live. Great to see so many of you here today. A special welcome to the first-time attendees and the many people who are joining us online the whole way from Maine over to Germany and California. Great to have you here. So again, today's topic is one that's really important. Family and addictions, healing, the shame, because I feel like we've all been touched in some way, shape, or form. And part of that today is just building a sense of connectedness. That in this world, that those feelings of isolation, you know, that's where sometimes the bad stuff can do its best work. And what we have to constantly be doing is fighting against that and fighting for connection. So with that in mind, I'd ask you to stand up, get a little stretch. If you're with someone you love and you just want to give them a hug, that's fine. If you want to introduce yourself to someone around you, please do. Folks, please be seated. Great again to have all of you here today. And, and, and you know, it's just it's a really important service for us. We run this service every year, and it's, again, that chance to feel connected one with another. And people come to this service in many places. And I want to be clear, both are welcome here. I know some of you are here with deeply broken hearts. I want to say we welcome that here. Some of you here again, filled with hope, and we welcome that here as well. What my hope as pastor is that you just hear maybe a few things that can resonate with you. Somebody's story that you can hear, like that you can connect with, because we've got a lot of different stories. To hear a wide variety of different perspectives around this. And this is really clear for me. Churches function much better as hospitals than as courtrooms. Could I get an Amen. We're here as a hospital. We're not here to judge. We're not here to hear the evidence. We're not here to hear any of that. We're here to love and care for each other. In today's service, hopefully you'll have a deep sense of that. I want you all to go out feeling this. Can we say this really loud together? We hear you. We hear you. We We all hear you. We hear you where you are in your life in terms of what's going on. And we hear as well this beautiful new church concept. Look at this beautiful line. That there is indeed a language latent in everyone from creation. That there's a language we all share that's actually beyond words, that's actually deep in our souls that we can connect with and that brings us together. And that's what you're going to hopefully hear today. Yes, you'll hear some words, you'll hear about some some of this and some of that. But the most important thing you're going to hear is hearts. And with that, I give you our speakers. So they'll be coming out. Please welcome them with a warm round of applause.
So we were very fortunate, our first two speakers, we were very fortunate to be asked to go down to Temple University to speak actually about this service to a journalism class. And I was thrilled that one of their students said, oh, you know, can I be part of New Church Live? And usually I'm the one volunteering people. And uh, this time she turned the tables. So our people are going to be introducing the speakers are Danny and her mother, Sandy. And the microphone's right behind you there. Please give them a round of applause, folks. Hi everyone, I'm Danny, and I'm Sandy. Um, my journey of addiction started uh, with my family of origin. Addiction ran rampant. So at a very young age, I learned how to be the perfect codependent. Took care of everybody, tried to fix everybody. And then as I grew into my adulthood, I followed the same path and married my addict, um, which is my daughter's father. I spent 19 years in and out of an active addiction. Lots of pain, lots of darkness, lots of fear. And eventually, when I got sick and tired of being sick and tired, I tried to seek out some hope. And I found that through a program called Codependence Anonymous, where I learned one day at a time to heal and to find that hope. And since that day, I have learned all those things, that there is hope, uh, that I can heal, and uh, that I'm very grateful to be here today, and I am actually grateful for the experiences that I had. Thank you. God bless everyone. So my dad is a drug addict. Um, My entire life, I've never known a sober father. Um, So growing up, it was me as a little girl taking care of a grown man. And I guess I didn't realize how twisted that was as a little kid. I couldn't understand um, why my mom didn't want me to always be around my father. Um, So today, I still have a pretty strained relationship with him. But I guess it's a relationship nonetheless. And that was just because I learned how to have a relationship with an addict and how to not enable Um, And most importantly, that you can't fix anybody and you have to accept the reality. Um, So my father is a drug addict and I pray for him every day. Um, And I thank my family, friends, and my faith for helping to heal heal myself. Thank you guys so much. God bless you. How you doing, everybody? Um... My name's Tim. I'm an addict. Uh, my sobriety date is September 30th, 2016. Um, it's, uh, it's truly an honor to be up here. Um, I can never imagine um, being in front of a crowd, you know, sharing um, a little bit about myself and my journey. Um, you know, I'll just start off a little bit. You know, I had a good childhood that, um, as much as I thought it was a really good childhood, um, you know, the best my parents gave me. Um, I have a mother, which I lost a year ago to this disease of addiction. Um, and it just goes to show you that, you know, addiction affects everybody. Um, it affected my brother, it affected my father, it affected me, it affected my wife, um, my kids, you know, who'll never meet her. Um, you know, so 
every day I go throughout my life now, um, you know, just to live a better life. Um, my kids never have to see me like that ever again. Um, it's just, it's been a journey to get up to this stage right here. Um, but it's truly an honor to be on this stage. Um, I thank all you for coming out here, um, you know, to listen to what we have to say, uh, you know, and it's, it's truly just, I took so many steps to get here. I climbed up, I fell back down. Um, you know, I met Pastor Chuck, he married me and my wife about two years ago. Um, and, you know, that was one of the happiest days of my life. And, uh, you know, but throughout the past two years, it's just been really rough. Um, I've been in and out of rehab, uh, approximately six rehabs, um, two sober living situations. Um, you know, but I kept getting up and I kept fighting. Um, you know, but, uh. I don't, I don't have much more to say. It's just I appreciate all you guys coming out here to listen to, you know, what I have to share. You know, it, it is possible because I stand here today with a little over six months clean. Um, and that's all I got. Thank you. And our third one, and this is someone who, who felt, wrote a beautiful piece that she wanted me to share with you, and she wasn't feeling up to actually speaking, uh, so she wanted me, me to share this with her. This is from a, from a dear friend and a dear parishioner, Abby. Hi, Chuck. Thank you so much for understanding my hesitance to speak. As I said in my text, I feel as though I have no emotional buffer right now, so I don't feel emotionally available to support or even hear other people. I'm just doing my best to do life, put one foot in front of the other. My, want, my mom once told me that loving someone with an addiction is like living with a broken heart. That's where our family is right now, a constant spiral of grief, hope, and waiting. And honestly, I don't feel very hopeful. I don't feel very hopeful anymore. In fact, hope feels like a tricky, too closely aligned to my willing, my own outcome. My brother is not homeless in Kensington with no insurance or family support. Rather, my brother has every available resource available to him including incredible insurance and access to rehabs. He has parents that have turned themselves inside out in an effort to support his recovery, yet this addiction is making choices for him. We are in a weather pattern now, less hope, more grief and waiting. I wrote the poem below, which you're going to get a chance to hear from Mary in a second. I wrote the poem below several months ago, after one of the many times my brother entered into a recovery program. My mom had described this scene to me, the ice pack she held against my brother's veins, offering some small comfort as he waited for the rehab transport bus to pick him up. I was struck by this poignant image, having struggled for so long to know how to love my brother in his addiction, when love has also meant setting difficult boundaries to protect the innocence and safety of my own children. In truth, I barely have a relationship with my brother anymore, and instead love has looked less like physical interaction and more like lit candles. This is a beautiful part. More like lit candles whispered prayers, and quiet grief. On Christmas Eve, one of the many recent holidays we have spent without my brother, I felt called to send him a quick text. 
You were the best part of my childhood, I texted him. The very best part. And he texted back his own memory. The two of us curled up as children, me whispering stories in his ear to help him fall asleep. Maybe loving an addict doesn't always look like visits to rehab on Easter. Sometimes it looks like brief moments of humanness shared through a text. Sometimes it even looks like walking away. Maybe love is a ship is a shapeshifter, always present if you know what you're looking for. And now the poem, Love Is. Love Is. The last time my brother went to rehab, he sat first in the kitchen with my mother, his bare arms face up, a ravaged, ruined offering honesty. My mother wrapped ice packs in soft clothes like tiny corpses, remembering ice packs and packed lunches, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, love notes scrawled on paper napkins. She may have spoken, he couldn't hear her, but the cold soothed him the way that words could not, and he saw her tears for what they were, a bruised and broken offering. Love. Hello, everybody. My name is Bob, and I'm an alcoholic. And uh, first, I want to say thanks to God, Chuck, and the 12-step program that I'm in today. And uh, it saved my life, changed my life, and it gave me the life I had today. And... uh, I never thought I'd be standing in front of a church talking and uh, carrying a message of hope. And uh, there is hope. And uh, I thought I was going to die an alcoholic and drug addict. And uh, I didn't get sober till I was 34 years old back in 1998 in April. So I just celebrated 19 years. And uh, thank you. And, uh, yeah, I feel so blessed today. And, uh, like, in a nutshell, my story, I thought I was going to lose my kids. Social services was there at the house. And uh, I was out of the house at another point, And that's when I came to. And, uh, and I said, God, I need your help. And, uh, and that was in April of 1998. And I've been sober ever since. And I've been going to a 12-step program since. And I uh, stayed close to God, the program, and helping others. And uh, when Chuck asked me to do this, my first thought is no, because I'm, I'm not going to get up there because, you know, I'm selfish, still full of fear and insecure and all that good stuff. But without the program and without God, I wouldn't be standing here today. And I want to thank all the people from this church that helped me to feel comfortable here. And uh, I don't know, I feel so blessed today. I got lots of great things in my life. And uh I only got three minutes, and I think I'm about at that point. So I want to thank everyone, and uh, thank you again. As the as the band comes out, you know, I just you know, I hope you just heard a sampling of stories, and we ha- we really do hope you get a chance to further this conversation with people. So the band comes out here for the middle song. 
I, what I want to do is I just want to have these people all stand up and come join me here in the middle. And I just want us to give them one more round of applause here for what they offered so briefly today. And again, I I really do believe that it's through our stories that we're healed. You know, with this this service, I think like, again, we're we're trying to find that place where where you can hear the authentic experience. And hopefully you heard that in some of the speakers. Hopefully you heard that in some of the music. And hopefully you're going to hear that in some of the words now that I want to offer just to kind of give a, give a little more context to this. And, and maybe, maybe some of this language you will find helpful and maybe a little healing. I, I think it's, it's always challenging, right? Because, because when we live in an addictive circumstance, there's chaos. And we know the real person is in there somewhere. And how do we find that, again, that that latent language that gets us through the chaos to help us see the person, to see who they actually really are, to see them maybe, maybe as best we can in the way that God sees them. I want to share with you just two beautiful descriptions. I think these really do talk about how God sees. This beautiful psalm, where can I go from your spirit, God? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. For darkness is as light to you, for you created my inmost being. A beautiful idea that whether we're here or here, that God is there in both. And God there in both, and, and you think about like Christ, somebody said this about Christ, I think it's, it's, it's so true. Christ, when you read through the New Testament, he must have been able to look at people in a way that cut through the shame. I want to say that again. He must have been able to look at people in a way that cut through the shame and help them to feel really seen. And I believe that that is true for all of us, whether it's the addicts or the families who love them, being able to cut through that, to see people for who they actually are. And that, I think, can bring a smile. This beautiful piece of New Church theology about how God looks at us. Crazy to think. That God can condemn anyone, curse anyone, throw anyone into hell, predestine anyone's soul to eternal death, avenge wrongs, or punish anyone. In reality, God cannot turn away from us or even look at us with a frown. I love that idea. Like, quiz for you folks. If God can't frown at anyone, that means he must do what to everyone? He must be smiling. A smile. With us, of course, in those places of deep pain. Those times, as the psalmist said, if I make my bed here, I know you're there too. 
in those times of hope, that God can be there in both. And I don't want to make that sound easy. I don't want to make that sound like, well, that's just a simple choice. Let's just go out and do that. It's not. It's a, as many of these people talked about, you know, this is a lifetime, a lifetime of work to get to these places, to get to these places of seeing in very different ways. And once we, once we can see, then, then what can we do? And there's a beautiful part. Not everybody knows everything about the Bible. And, and, and there, there's some beautiful lines in there that I just think, wow, you know, you have to keep coming back to them again and again because they, they sort of, they pop. They give you an idea of like, wow, this is, this is actually really important. And one is where, where Christ was asked like, well, you know, where have we seen God? You know, show us God. And I imagine a lot of people feel the same way, you know, like, yeah, if I could just see a sign somehow. And what gets offered in this gospel, Matthew 25, one of my favorite parts of the Bible, is Christ saying, look, if you've seen me in these places, if you've seen me in the face of the widow, the orphan, the homeless, and those in prison, if you've seen me in any of those places, you've seen me. And then he offers this beautiful command. I'm going to have you say the V word there. I was in prison and you came to, you came to visit me. I mean, that's a beautiful line. Like you think God, the creator of the universe says, look, you want to find out where I am? Well, I'll know you're with me. If you get that sometimes I'm in prison and our job is to visit there. I mean, I think that's really significant because does addiction feel like a prison? Yes. Can I get an amen on that one? <laughs> amen. Like, yes, it feels like a prison. And here's God saying, like, visit people there. It doesn't say get out there, spring them, get out, give them the get out of jail free card. That's not what he's saying. Show up. He's saying, no, no, your job is to visit them there. Incredibly powerful lines. And of course, you know, we always have to make sure we're not confusing, enabling with love. We're not putting ourselves in dangerous positions. All that is so true. But this is true too. Please, let's do the best we can to make sure in these struggles that no one feels alone. That no one feels alone. Of course, we'll all have moments feeling loneliness. Of course, that's going to happen. But, but can we continue through this just to show up in ways, again, in the ways, in the hopeful times, in the dark times, where we're just showing up as in a simple spirit of hope with other people? Where we move past just speaking to the chaos and really trying to speak in a way that feels true to us, to the person that's underneath. Maybe that's the best we can do. I, I know when I go down and I do, you know, go down to Kensington, those other areas, I really try to focus on maybe just for a second people can feel loved. Nothing big, nothing sexy, nothing overwhelming, but can they just feel that moment and know that they have support? 
support that knows when it's time and they feel called to recovery, that they have someone who they can walk with. A beautiful, beautiful perspective. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to come back down around here. I want you to hear from a couple more speakers, and then we're actually going to close today's service with a baptism. So I'd ask Janine and her father, Bert, to meet me right up here by the Red Ribbon. Before we start, I just want to say my name is Janine. My father will be doing most of the speaking, but uh, we met Pastor Chuck. He married us at, at the gorgeous Bryn Athen Cathedral in September, my husband and I. And uh, we found him, but I really felt like he found us. And eight months later, we're still here, loving him, supporting him, and everything that is involved with the new church live. Uh, I personally was never an addict Uh, My brother was. I spent most of my life trying to be the complete opposite of that, to be misperfection. And, um, you know, I've been there, done that with him. Obviously, he had the biggest struggle, but me, my father, my entire family was there with him. And um, we're here to support, help, love, and for anyone to be with and to not be alone. So I'll pass it on to my father. Good morning, everyone. Obviously, you know who the public speaker in the family is. <laughs> I am not, but I'm going to give it a shot. What I have to say here today can never, ever be accomplished in a talking point. It's impossible. One thought leads to so many I would ramble on for days. My son took his life on September 23rd, 2006. He was a very troubled soul. He was diagnosed at a very young age as a bipolar one manic depressive. Through his life, he took a cocktail of prescribed medicines to just level his thoughts and his feelings. Once he entered the world of heroin, things became a lot more complicated. He spent many, many times in rehab and hospital wards. He finally found the straight and narrow. Before he died, he spent six months of his life perfectly clean. He was so so tired of disappointing himself and his family that he decided to take his own life thinking he was ending it on a good note. Obviously, that thought was so terribly misguided. You know, life for all of us is an unbelievable roller coaster. All the ups, all the downs. But how you handle these extremes will set the path for the future and tell our stories. This service tonight is all about hope, love, and most of all, compassion for all humankind. Excuse me for a second. 
You know we all have misfortunes, but comforting those in need is easier than we think and so appreciated by those who are hurting. If I can help one person in this service today, you would truly be helping me. 11 years have passed and healing is always, always a work in progress. My final thought, because I only got three minutes, I wish I had three hours on this subject, is for this beautiful young lady standing next to me, my daughter Janine. My wife and I fell into the deepest, darkest abyss of life. We were done. I was absolutely at my crisis stage. Janine reached deep into that dark and pulled her mother and I into the light. And for that, we are deeply indebted to you. You are the reason your mother and I are still on this planet. And last thing I'd like to say is, if you can, please join us. We can try to answer any questions afterwards. I know everybody's got questions about this. I've been in this my whole life, and I've got more questions than all of you. So that's the best I can tell you. Thank you very much. So when we were, when we were, Kyle's get up here, my friend. When, when we were uh, planning a service, uh, there was a, a dear dad who, uh, you know, talked to you, two beautiful daughters from China. And he said, look, Chuck, you know, maybe you want to think about the red thread. He said, what's the red thread, the red ribbon? He said, the red ribbon is this thing that connects us. This latent language, this thing, this connectedness that we all know, this thread. Can I get a little amen again? <laughs> amen. This little thread. This beautiful thread. And the thread sometimes gets crumpled. Sometimes it gets worn. Sometimes it faces darkness that we can't imagine. Sometimes it helps us pull into the light. Sometimes it's just a good friend. And that thread we can always hold. And let's just go out of here today doing the best we can, no matter where you are in this crisis, no matter where you are, just hold the threat. And I'd ask the other speakers who are part of it if they could come forward and hold it with us right now for a minute. And then we're going to say a prayer, and then we're going to have a baptism. And then we're all going to sing our very hearts out. Tim, if you want to bring the baby up, that's all good too. I'm sure your wife would appreciate that. <laughs> there you go so Lord hold us care for us find that way Lord whether we are at the top or at the bottom for us to just feel your presence here today to hear your words the words of the stories of these amazing people Lord Allow those stories to make their way into our hearts. Allow us, Lord, to leave here with one simple commitment. One very simple commitment. That no one be alone. Even if it's only a text message. Even if it's only a thought or a lit candle or a prayer. Let us leave here, Lord. Connected. 
In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If we can give these folks one more round of applause. Just thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you folks for being here. What a blessed day.